everybody. Welcome to the Geek Generation. I'm your host, Rob Logan, joined in the studio by Damian Cranshaw. Hey, everybody. Story time for you. Story time. It's an all-video game episode this week. Even if you're not someone that's big into video games, you might still find what we're talking about uh, very interesting, I would hope, because we are going to talk about some of the biggest video game myths and urban legends that have come out over the years. Mm-hmm. Got a little bit of history going on, mm-hmm. a little bit of spookiness going on, mm-hmm. got a little bit of why is everyone trying so hard to do this going on? Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, these are basically uh, myths that have either been proven or disproven or they're urban legends that started off as fictional writings that people uh, bought into. Uh, there, there's so many different ranges of mm-hmm. the things that we're going to talk about. We're even going to talk about some things that started off as legend and became reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, these are uh, a lot of research went into this episode. Oh, yes. <laughs> some of these are well known. Some of them might not be as well known. And even if you do know some of these stories, you might learn something new. But we decided we were going to highlight some of our favorite ones and uh, pretty much go through them and just present them to you guys and see what you think. So let's jump right in then. Uh, the first myth or urban legend is about Street Fighter 2. Mm-hmm. So in Street Fighter 2, it was believed that there was a secret boss that could be unlocked named Sheng Long. Speculation began as a result of one of Ryu's victory quotes, which read, quote, You must defeat Sheng Long to stand a chance. In 1992, EGM ran an article that revealed a method to access Sheng Long, but the requirements were nearly impossible. The article was later revealed to be an April Fool's prank. So who exactly is Sheng Long, and why is Ryu talking about him? The truth is that Sheng Long is actually a mistranslation of Ryu's Shoryuken, or Rising Dragon Punch. The actual translation should read, If you cannot overcome the Rising Dragon Punch, you cannot win. After the April Fool's article, the Super Nintendo port was released and had changed the phrase to, You must defeat my Dragon Punch to stand a chance. However, the English instruction manual for the Super Nintendo Street Fighter 2 port referred to Master Shang Long as Ryu and Ken's teacher. So now the rumor is starting to perpetuate itself. Mm-hmm. So the the name Shang Long had already gotten out there. People had already been trying to find this boss through impossible means and no one could pull it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, the April Fool's article perpetuated it even more. And then even after they said, well, that's garbage, too. Now there's an official document, mm-hmm. even if it's just an instruction manual, making reference to this character that supposedly doesn't exist. In 2008, Street Fighter Four producer Yoshinori Ono stated in an interview that the new character Goken's inclusion in the title was in response to fans requesting Shang Long's presence in the game. So they did create a version of Shang Long. Mm-hmm. They called him Goken. And he is a playable character now. So what started off as just a mistake Mm -hmm. became a rumor, became a prank, became a manual fact, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then became a reality, which is crazy to see the evolution of a game like that going from 92 to 2008 and taking something that started in that year to then evolve into an actual playable character. Absolutely. Like like them seeing how much like that became part of the Street Fighter culture. Like yeah. this like fictional 
literally fictional character of, and then just making it real is uh you know a great way to to appeal to fans yeah very cool yeah i love it when uh stuff that a community gives birth to mm-hmm. becomes embraced by the creators themselves yeah and makes it a real thing sure and it's certainly not the only reference to that kind of thing we have on our list yeah because you have something too right interestingly enough uh you know the counterpart to street fighter or the rival that many people saw it was mortal kombat and uh, in the first few arcade versions of Mortal Kombat, there was a listing in the audit menu for Ermax, uh, written in all capitals. Mm-hmm. In revision 3.0, it was actually listed directly underneath Reptile Battles, giving the appearance that they were grouped together. It was believed to reference a character the same way Reptile Battles does, which led people to believe that Ermac was also a secret character. The listing is, in reality, a shortening of the term Error Macro. So it's just, you know, a part of the coding of the game. It's a way to game. debug and right. test the game, sure. Uh, the developers denied uh, that he existed in Mortal Kombat 2 with uh, one of the jumbled messages that appeared at the bottom of the screen after beating the game, which unscrambled reads, Ermac does not exist. <laughs> they were legitimately they literally just put it saying, into the game. hey guys, Ermac yeah. is not a thing. Uh, the numerous rumors of his existence led to uh, his debut as an official character in Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. His storyline is even based on his own rumor and later changed to become a legitimate character in the Mortal Kombat trilogy. Uh, while starting as a palette swap version of Scorpion, but colored in red and black, Ermac went on to evolve into a fully fleshed out character of his own. It's crazy. Right? Yeah. So he's had even, I guess, more of an evolution than Shang Long. Because mm-hmm. Shang Long only first appeared in Street Fighter IV uh, originally, even mm-hmm. though there were rumors for a long time and probably even longer than the Ermac rumors existed. But the iterations of Mortal Kombat that have come out that included Ermac. Mm-hmm have shown a further departure from his initial story and his initial design. Because like you said, he's he was originally a palette swap of Scorpion. Right. It was just that same kind of sprite, but switched it up a little bit. And then over time, he's almost become like a sorcerer. Right. And less of a ninja and more of like a magic sorcerer type character mm-hmm. that looks nothing like the Not original one, only maintaining like the black and red color scheme. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So we got Ermac, we got Shang Long, two characters that started out from rumor, became realities, and now we have something totally different. Yes. So, in Pokemon Red and Green, are these games that you've played? Um, yeah, well, Pokemon Red and Green were like the original, original releases of Pokemon oh, okay. Red and Blue. They were only like in Japan. All right. So like when Red and uh, Red and Blue came out, it was like the 1.2 version that okay. were like slightly modified, but they were the ones that were released So there was no Red and Green for us right it became red and blue right exactly okay. all right so we're talking then about specifically the japanese version here mm-hmm. in pokemon red and green is it pokemon or pokemon i say pokemon pokemon okay yes. i've never known that to be one way or the other all right in pokemon red and green there's a location called lavender town which is also one of the few towns within a pokemon gym instead the purpose of this town is to serve as a place where pokemon are buried as far as the in-game story goes, there's a tower that you need to explore, which is haunted by a restless spirit. The tower is also full of trainers mourning their dead Pokemons, a number of ghost Pokemon, and some possessed, crazed trainers. If all that doesn't sound disturbing enough, the level is accompanied by this lovely music.
super creepy. Oh, absolutely. Oh. I don't like it, Damien. Mm-mm. I, I, even growing up, I didn't like it either. No? No, it was one of those towns where, like, I'd make sure to, uh, like, get on the bicycle so the different music would be playing as I'm going through it. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the legend relates to the music mm-hmm. and goes something like this. In the spring of 1996, more than 200 Japanese children between the ages of 7 and 12 were found dead through suicide most often by hanging or jumping from heights. A few cases recorded children who had begun sawing off their limbs, sticking their heads in ovens, or choking themselves on their own fist. Ah. Many others suffered serious migraine headaches or nosebleeds, or turned violent when their parents tried to take the game away. Some cried until they started vomiting. The lucky ones turned it off before it was too late. Yeah. The affected children were all found to have stopped playing the game after reaching Lavender Town, the spooky area that's home to the Pokemon Tower, a seven-story graveyard for dead Pokemon. Most of them had been wearing headphones or earphones while playing. Their suicides, headaches, and erratic behavior... Thank God that music's ending. Good Uh Lord. And we're listening to it through headphones. Thanks, Rob. (laughs) Their suicides, headaches, and erratic behavior were later determined to have been caused by the unsettling background music in Lavender Town, which, aside from containing a high tone, undetectable to adult ears, was also an early experiment in binaural beats. Uh, For those not familiar... With binaural beats, this is a phenomenon created by playing a distinct tone from each of two audio channels said to affect human behavior by syncing with listeners' brainwaves. I use apps mm-hmm. on my phone that have binaural audio in them. Yep. Most of them are used for like meditation and self-hypnosis and things like that. Sure. They, they can be used for sure to calm down your brain. I don't know if they go in the other direction. Right. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but maybe not to this extent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As a result, the story was covered up, and all unsold first editions of the game were quietly recalled. The Lavender Town music was replaced with a new version without the tone that had driven the children mad before being redistributed and making its way to the U.S. as Pokemon Red and Blue. Fortunately... Fortunately, the story is a complete myth. Yeah, thank goodness. Probably perpetuated by the creepy music and plot of Lavender Town. Why such a level would need to be included in a kid's game is the real mystery. Did you find it to be, like, way out of place when you played that? Um, I mean, it was certainly a kind of a spooky area, but, like, it kind of fits in with, like, because there's ghost Pokemon, mm-hmm. and, like, that's part of the game. So it's, like, a good, like, home location to catch ghost Pokemon. And I guess it, it kind of goes in with, like, how when you're battling with Pokemon, like, when you defeat the other Pokemon, they faint. They don't die. Right, But right. it's, like, do Pokemon actually die? Like, it's just building the bigger world. Sure. But, yeah, creepy. Creepy yeah, as hell. Yeah. Uh, also, there is history of Pokemon media actually being harmful. In late 1997, an episode of Pokemon aired on television that showed an alternating red-blue flash. Coincidentally, Pokemon Red and Blue. Oh. uh, At a frequency that induced epileptic seizures in hundreds of viewers. The show went on hiatus for months, and the offending scene wasn't aired in the U.S. Mm -hmm. So that was a thing that did happen. Yep. I've I've like seen like clips of that episode and really? it's like ridiculous. Like I it totally makes sense that someone who would be sensitive to that would go have an episode after seeing that. Yeah. It's it's pretty nuts. Oh. And I wouldn't even be tempted to watch the scene just because Yeah, just in case you never know what it's gonna do yeah, to you. But you like, know, I curiosity. haven't necessarily been diagnosed as an epileptic, mm-hmm. but 
what if that's the triggering incident, you know? I don't know. Maybe afterwards I'll grab the camera. We'll see yeah. what happens. <laughs> we'll film it. Yeah. <laughs> Put it on YouTube. That's what's really important. Yep. But yeah, that story's crazy. Mm-hmm. And it's been around for a long time. A very long time. There are probably people who still believe it. Oh, sure. I've seen like tons of videos that have gone through trying to like analyze every little bit of it. I, I've heard that there's been like there's like slight changes like that were actually made between mm-hmm. like the red and green and the red and blue editions. I'm um, trying to like see if there is like a mystery sound that exists between the two of them. Mm-hmm. The teardown of it has been insane. Yeah. And they did a lot of smart things with crafting the story by saying it's something that only children could hear. Mm-hmm. It does allow uh, adults to not be a part of like that that case study almost and right. then their their ability to try and research it is more difficult mm-hmm. uh it also i had read in a lot of places that it perpetuated because of the translation barrier oh so it's a lot harder to do research on a story that took place in japan if True. you don't speak the language right you can't necessarily wade through all the information of like the origins of this thing because unless other people that speak the language are doing that and translating the documents and things Mm-hmm. You run into like a brick wall of research. Like right. eventually you just can't look any further into it yeah. before you're recounting things that other people have recounted and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Creepy ass story. Absolutely. Yeah. That being said, yeah, I avoid hearing that song as much as I can whenever I'm playing Pokemon. <laughs> I have my apologies. That's <laughs> oh, fine. You know, after so many years, it just, you know, it's nostalgic, but it's still terrifying. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, next one comes from Super Mario Galaxy 2, uh, entitled The Shadow People of Hell Valley. Mm. So another spooky one for you. In one level of Super Mario Galaxy 2, if you switch to first-person view and look at certain directions, you can see shadowy figures standing at the edge of the galaxy. Anywhere you go in that level, if you look up and to the left, they'll always be there. They never get closer, you never meet them, and nobody in the game ever mentions them. But are they actually figures or maybe trees? Maybe just trees. Maybe just Damien, trees. maybe they're just trees. They could just be Creepy trees. Creepy-ass people could be just trees. Yeah. That's what I tell myself to make myself feel better. Yeah, just trees. Just yeah. trees. Yeah. Fans are claiming that they're seeing them in other levels, writing fan fiction stories about them, and speculating on what they could be. Of course, someone got curious and started going through the game assets. Here's what they found. The sky pattern for that area is called Beyond Hell Valley. Hell Valley is not the name of the level or any area in the game. The shapes themselves are called Hell Valley Sky Trees. Oh, they're just trees. Right, just trees. Yeah. Which ultimately means that they must just be trees. Yay! Uh, well, you can say that they're trees, but on further analysis, there's no way those creepy-ass figures are trees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, if you haven't seen pictures of the Hell Valley Sky Tree file that was extracted from the game and shown, mm-hmm. there's no way in hell those are trees. They do not look like trees. No, they look... It's kind of like a Slender Man mm-hmm. silhouette almost. Right. They look like like figures, like people. Like yeah. if anything, I'd be more believing if you said that they were like structures, like stone structures. Or yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They don't look like trees. No, and they just stare at you wide eyed, unmoving, unflinching. Right. Nonsense. And only viewable through first person. Like if you're just like out zoomed out, you can't see them, and there's no way to really get close to them. They're just only if you're like looking right at them, and then they're staring right back at you. Oh my god, that's so nuts. Mm-hmm. Oh, please tell me we don't have creepy stuff next. <laughs> I don't think we do. I don't know. Okay, we're going down a creepy path, but we're going to veer off a little bit, I believe. So this is a story we've talked about before. It recently came up a couple years ago mm-hmm. when the tail end of this story was rolling out. Uh, but it is one of my favorite urban legends and was at least until the point of 
the proving or disproving, it still remains kind of one of the best stories in video sure. game lore. Uh, and I'm talking about E.T., who's also kind of creepy, but also know. a little bit of creepy in his own right. Yeah. So I, I played I'm in the rare position of having played the original E.T. Atari game when it came out. Do you still have the cartridge? I do still have the cartridge. Nice. Uh, it's somewhere in here, mm-hmm. but I do know more specifically where the instruction manual is. So that I do know for sure. Okay. I believe the cartridge is tossed in with a bunch of other games sure. somewhere uh, in this house. I don't know. But um, when E.T. the Extraterrestrial debuted in 1983, it became one of the biggest commercial failures in video gaming history. And to this day is often cited as one of the worst video games ever released. Contrary to what most people think of the the, the film being, which, you know, was very successful yeah. and quite uh, yeah, well-received. like the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. Now, I know, uh, I know a lot about the history of the game, and one of the mm-hmm. reasons that it was so bad is because I believe it was made in a series of like eight or nine weeks only. Yeah, three months, yeah. give or take. Like they had to rush this thing out so fast. Mm-hmm. They paid an exorbitant amount for the licensing rights. Like yeah. at the time, they paid like 23 or $25 million. Wow. And that's a lot to make up in the 80s, mm-hmm. especially the early 80s. And one guy, one guy made the game. Wow. Which you can't even imagine. See, one that guy I over the about. course of wow. eight or nine weeks. Mm-hmm. That's nuts. No wonder it was so bad. You can't you can't fault him. No. They just all. demanded way too much for it. They it was a money grab and oh, it yeah. didn't pan out. It was right at the the height of like the video game bubble right before it crashed. Yeah. It, it's often cited with being one of the reasons that the video game industry, the big gaming crash of the eighties happened. Mm-hmm. Uh the game was so bad and sold so poorly that Atari reportedly took millions of copies of the game and buried them in a landfill in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And that rumor perpetuated for years. Yeah. Long, long time. Until recently. In 2014, Fuel Industries, Microsoft, and others worked with the New Mexico government to excavate the site and validate the contents of the landfill as part of a documentary called Atari Game Over. Only a small fraction, about 1,300 games, were recovered during the excavation period, but it was enough to prompt an official word from Atari, who clarified that the numbers were around 700,000 cartridges wow. of various titles, including E.T. While slightly exaggerated, one of the most famous urban legends of video games is actually true. It's amazing. I was so happy when they proved that it was true, because Mm -hmm. I felt like it validated the time that I put into trying to figure out what that game originally was back when I was a youngster. Right. It proved just how bad the game was that not even the company that made it wanted anything to do with it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that they were totally buried there. Uh, There were, like it said, a number of different cartridges. The reason they only unearthed 1300 is because some of them were just straight up crushed and destroyed. Didn't they like bury them and then also like pour concrete over it? They sure did. Uh, There was a reason given for that. I Mm -hmm. think part of it was that people couldn't like dig up the other ones. Yeah. But they had said that the place was no longer a landfill or something and they were uh, changing it. They didn't want kids digging around in it and finding garbage. Right. So they just poured concrete over the entire landfill. Mm. And now it's not possible to like break. I mean, you could, but why would you do that at this point? Right. They break through the concrete to get to all the other hundreds of thousands of games below there. But Mm -hmm. even still being able to unearth 1300 games, certainly proves 
Oh, sure. The entire thing. And yeah. then Atari, Atari giving coming official out word and, and admitting it. it finally. Yeah, I think the actual number, it says around 700,000. I think it was something like 732,000, something like that. But Mm-mm-mm. wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's a great story. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Love that one. I think it'd be cool to like go see if they've ever like put any sort of like monument or something with it. They should. Like, that would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, they need to put, like, a... Here lies E.T. <laughs> Big tombstone. But they need to have the E.T., like, pixelated version from the game as mm-hmm. the statue. Yeah. That'd look great. That would be really yeah, cool. Yeah, so it could finally be used for some good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, Amazon users. If you'd like to help support the show, please go to thegeekgeneration.com and click on the Amazon button, which will bring you right to the Amazon homepage. If you make a purchase after using this link, you've helped the show by earning us a commission, and it won't cost you any extra money. Please use this link for all your future Amazon shopping. Hello, this is Troy Baker, and you are listening to The Geek Generation. All right, so the next one I got for for you is probably the first urban legend that I ever heard. Yeah. Most likely because it centers around my favorite video game of all time. Okay. And that would be Super Mario 64 concerning unlocking Luigi in Super Mario 64. Yeah. So Super Mario 64 was a major launch title for the Nintendo 64 that set the bar for 3D video game worlds. The game features uh, Mario in a 3D landscape to collect stars to save the princess. Due to the success of the game, many rumors were born, with the biggest one being that one could unlock Luigi as a playable character. Yeah, question. Yes. Is this the first Mario game where Luigi was not included since Super Mario Brothers? Um, Because that would certainly... I mean, I don't think it's the first because I don't know if he appears in, like, say, like, Super Mario RPG. Okay. Or, like, and, like, a lot of the handheld games he wasn't appearing in, like, Super Mario Land. Um, But definitely, like, between where you had, like, Super Mario World, Super Mario Brothers 3, even, Mm -hmm. like... Mario Kart and like some of the other ones like Luigi like was a big, big presence big releases yeah exactly and like a lot of those games were two player mm-hmm. so like you would expect like Luigi to be there but this oh, game was right, a right. one player game yep. which was a little bit odd for a Mario like you know launch title game main game for a console sure so for like unlocking Luigi, uh, like many people said, like there were tons of methods for unlocking Luigi, whether it was like beating the game under a certain amount of time, collecting mm-hmm. stars in a certain order, beating levels or not beating levels, whatever. Uh, the biggest and most uh, prominent one is the one that's referred to as the L is real legend. So in the courtyard of the castle, there's a star monument uh, with a plaque on it that has like scratchy symbols and like, you know, it's like a low resolution image. So mm-hmm. the, the, the writing on it is really illegible. Um, but many people, when you look at it the right way, uh, were able to read what is uh, like L is real 2041. Um, and that was like, oh, L, that stands for Luigi. It must mean something. Mm-hmm. So one theory was like that the 2401 represented every single uh, gold coin that one could collect in the game. And that like if you collect them all, you could come back to the statue and Luigi would be there waiting for you to be a playable character. The number of coins in the game is actually kind of close to that number. I think it's like 2,600 right. something. Right. So it's 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 interesting. But uh, yeah, uh, no one has been able to find Luigi in any form in Super Mario 64. Nintendo has even stated that he doesn't exist, although Nintendo threw it in as like an April Fool's edition. Oh, those April Fool's ones yeah. perpetuating. That's almost mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but in actuality, Nintendo did originally play around with the idea for Super Mario 64 to be like a co-op game or like a two-player game with Luigi in there. Mm-hmm. But the N64 had hardware limitations that wouldn't allow it to work out okay but with the rumor floating about uh ign put a hundred dollar bounty for unlocking luigi in the game 
uh, and they like got tons of people like throwing in just like bogus cheat codes and like uh, hacked screenshots and like people messing with the uh, resolution on like or not the resolution but like the color balance on okay. the old CRTs. Oh, geez, geez. So like you'd see Mario just like in green or something like right, that. Right, right. But uh, no solution was ever found aside from you know hacking the game itself. Um, Luigi was finally playable in the 2005 remake uh, for the Nintendo DS, um, along with like Yoshi and Wario. So it was a significantly revamped game. Sure. Um, I still prefer the original over it though and then um interestingly enough the same texture that appears on like the star monument that okay. same image yep. uh appears as a plaque in uh the legend of zelda ocarina of time which uh is like a sign that you can like read you can also read the monument sign like there's an actual text box for okay. it but it's unrelated to that and yeah so in this one it, it it was just like a regular text box just on the wall telling you about the dungeon that you're in so there was no other meaning to be derived from this so yeah <laughs> so people just found a random thing and it blew up and well kind of like because it's 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 interesting because it's like just like it's like a monument or like a statue in like the middle of the the courtyard so it of, seems like it there. should be so, important. yeah it looks like it's important it's in like a fountain it's like it has like a star monument on it so it's like oh cool this is something important oh wow yeah but it really doesn't do anything except serve as like an exit port for one of the levels interesting yeah always looking for the things that aren't there mm-hmm. yeah okay here's the whopper all righty here here's go. the big one uh this is probably one of the most well-known Yes. Urban legends and video games. The Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. So the tale begins with a college kid shopping for Nintendo 64 games at a yard sale. When he comes across an old man who offers him a labelless cartridge with the word Majora written on it in black Sharpie. Ooh. The old man gives him the cartridge for free, saying that it used to belong to a kid around his age that didn't live there anymore. Now, lesson number one, kids. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> if you're at a yard sale and people want to give you stuff for free, mm-hmm. assume it's messed up. Yeah. Right away. Right. <laughs> Every like bad story you've ever read starts with like some creepy old person giving you free stuff that you feel like you should pay for. Mm-hmm. Or the- particularly with the cartridge of like Majora's Mask, which was, you know, one a rather, you know, it's a it's a good game yeah. for the N64 yeah, at yeah. least towards the end and it's especially if I don't know exactly when the story started but it's become a, like a hard to find cartridge so yeah. if it if uh, someone's willing to give you that for free they uh there's something wrong with it totally when loading up the game there were two save games the first labeled Ben and the second one Drowned ooh we're back in the spooky zone oh yeah oh yeah this one goes right down the spooky rabbit hole when playing, the game would continually refer to the player as Ben, so he deleted the save file and tried playing again, but now the in-game characters wouldn't call him anything at all. Now, I haven't played Majora's Mask. I Is have. that something that when you do enter a character name, the game refers to you by that name? Right, yeah. Okay. You're not referred to as, like, Link. You, you put your own so name So it in. wasn't something off. He was just like, oh, I don't want this thing calling me Ben because that's not my name. Right. Makes sense. During this playthrough... He attempted and successfully completed the fourth day glitch, which somehow transported him to the boss fight at the end of the game. I'm not familiar with the fourth day glitch. All right. So Majora's Mask takes place in basically you have what is like three days until the moon falls from the sky and crashes into the world of Terminal. Oh, wow. Yeah. This uh, story is really fitting for the game because it has a lot of cryptic elements about it. A lot of people say that it might be... Because it's a direct sequel to Ocarina of Time. Okay. Some people might say it falls into like the Zelda timeline where Link is unsuccessful and this is him in like purgatory or something. Oh, wow. So there's there's a lot of interpretations to what goes on in this game as death is like apparent. 
but basically the mechanic is this like there's like a three day counter going mm-hmm. on and like there's different things available during different uh, times of the day NPCs do different things at different times of the day but you have the ocarina okay and if you play the song of time you can go back to the first day and then continue doing stuff oh. um, something save between those objectives other things aren't okay so the fourth day glitch occurs where like it's really specific, but you can go up to the observatory and you go to the telescope to look at the moon. Um, and if you do it like immediately as like the timer hits zero on the final day mm-hmm. and then you like you, you like click through to activate the cutscene, like it jumps forward. OK. And it's like it's like past the the, the moon crashing, but like, oh, it so hasn't it's just gone. So it's like there's like weird elements going on. So huh. it kind of. Yeah. Kind of breaks the game a little bit. Exactly. Yeah. OK. So uh, he successfully completes the fourth day glitch, and it transports him to the boss fight at the end of the game instead of doing like what letting you run away happen and do weird things. There was no sound at this point except for the background music. He then went to restart the game and ended up in a weird Twilight Zone version of Clock Town with the inhabitants gone. The music had been replaced with the Song of Healing playing backwards on a loop, and he felt like someone was watching him and that he might be in danger. Mm-hmm. That's a weird sensation to just get while you're playing a video game, but... Yeah, I'm pretty sure by reading, like, the story itself, like, specifically says that he's, like, playing in a dark room in his, like, college dorm or something. His imagination's running wild. Yep. Unable to leave Clocktown, he thought he might be able to kill his character by drowning in the laundry pool, forcing himself to respawn elsewhere. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. When he ran toward the pool, Link apparently grabbed his head, and the screen flashed for a moment... And when it returned, he was staring at a motionless Link statue, which mm-hmm. is a thing in the game. Yes. And does look kind of creepy right. in it's itself. Right, it's not very pretty. Yeah. The player tried running from the statue, but every time he turned around, it would appear behind him. Eventually, he was warped to an underground tunnel, and the statue was now chasing more aggressively. As he made his way out, a redead screamed, and now he appeared on top of the clock tower with the Skull Kid hovering above him, which is the final boss, correct? Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, okay. Or like one of the forms of the final boss. Okay. After shooting at and hitting the Skull Kid a few times, a text box appeared saying, That won't do you any good, he he. Link was then levitated off his feet and spontaneously burst into flames. On another attempt, he tried playing the Song of Time, and at the last note, burst into flames again. When the game reloaded, this time the Skull Kid was again hovering above, but Link was lying on the ground, seemingly dead, in a position that is not possible to recreate in any way in the game. Mm -hmm. Then a message popped up saying, you've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? And And then he was back on the title screen. His save game was now titled Your Turn, instead of Link, as he had changed it to. He loaded it up and saw the Skull Kid scene again. Scared, he reset the game, and this time a second save game titled Ben appeared, Hmm. just as had been previously there in the original loading of the game. Now the story goes on from there, but the gist is that the cartridge was possessed by a soul that could manipulate the game and cause all this weird stuff to happen. Apparently the the story goes to tell about the kid Mm -hmm. that had lived in the house prior to the old man, drowned in a pool. Yep. And now his soul or a soul claiming to be him right. possessed the game and was manipulating the game throughout it, which is so messed up. Oh, yeah. 
It gained a lot of internet traction because it was accompanied by video evidence that looked very credible. Mm -hmm. This person had decided, I guess, at some point to start recording footage of the game. Yep. Uploaded those clips to YouTube. He also had like images that I'm sure that were very uh, convincing of different things going on. Right. And, And there was no like detectable photo editing or Photoshop or anything like that. So people were pretty freaked out. Mm -hmm. The story and footage, however, was all fake. The author admitted it himself, but it remains one of the best fabricated video game stories of all time. And all the fake footage, all the fake photos were created not from Photoshop or anything like that, but actually a hacked version of the game. Which must have taken an insane amount of time. Oh, I'm sure. To really fabricate this entire story. Mm-hmm. Now, the story itself is pretty long. Yeah. And you can go read it out there. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it is such a wonderfully crafted tale. Agreed. Agreed. If you, if you are bored and have like three, like three hours to kill and want to like read it and then go yeah. through the videos, the photos and really get yourself spooked, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It is a really well done story. So. Add this to the list of just amazing kind of fan fiction. Yes. Video game ghost stories. Absolutely. All right. Next one comes from Minecraft. So it's actually a little more modern compared to all the games that we've been talking Mm. about. And this one is the legend of Herobrine. So in Minecraft, you have, you know, like your NPCs and your mobs, which don't look anything like your playable characters. And like if you're playing in multiplayer, like you'll have other character models that are running around that look, you know, like you or wearing other skins and stuff. But this uh, legend surrounds a Slenderman-like NPC by the name of Herobrine. And he looks like the protagonist Steve, but he has, like, glowing white eyes. <laughs> it is said that Herobrine stalks the player, showing up uh, in distances near the edge of the render limit, so, like, in the fog. And he has the capacity to interact with the world and is often described as creating random structures such as sand pyramids and two-by-two tunnels. His original description came from an account claiming of seeing a pseudo-player who, uh, months later, discovered that a user by the name of Herobrine belonged to a Swedish gamer that he determined to be the dead brother of the game's creator, Notch. Which is <laughs> really spooky. Right. And, like, it doesn't end there. More recently, like, uh, we've seen Minecraft players who are live-streaming their games, and Herobrine has been showing up in them. Uh, they... Those who investigate him uh, find their games like suddenly crashing or like they end up dying from a trap while trying to chase after him mm-hmm. or they find him, stuff like that. Uh, Hero Brian has been viewed as a ghost living in the game or others have seen him as like a, a virus or a corrupted entity because they're all playing one player games. But there's this, this character that looks like another player and he's doing weird stuff. Um, so the legend comes from uh, what's referred to as a creepypasta, which is like the same as what the Majora's Mask story sure, is. Sure. Uh, that was posted on 4chan many years ago. And then one of the first people to capture Herobrine on stream had admitted to taking this story and spreading it around and making it popular, creating the Herobrine model, placing it in his streams, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's likely that others have done the same because there's been more than one person to go around claiming to see him in their streams. Nonetheless, the hoax of Herobrine lives on in the Minecraft community. Interestingly enough, developer Notch and uh, the company Mojang that developed uh, Minecraft each have acknowledged that this legend, you know, exists in the community. Sure. And while they've stated that he doesn't exist at the time, Notch probably in jest tweeted out, it's not real, but it might be soon. Mm. And I I looked into this a little bit, too, and it seems that even at one of the iterations of the game, Mm -hmm. there's a dev note that says Hero Brian removed. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it, it's kind of like the same thing back with the, the Mortal Kombat 2 saying that uh, that the character doesn't exist. Yeah, it's a way to just perpetuate the, mm-hmm. the rumors because clearly they like the story. Right. And it's a wonderful story. Totally. Yeah. 
Okay, this one is an elusive one for another more modern game. PS2 era we're talking, so not quite as far back as some of the others. Sure. Team Eco. They originally created the game Ico, or however you pronounce it. I don't know. Ico, Eco, I've heard many people say it. Uh, Team Ico's second game, Shadow of the Colossus, is a critically acclaimed classic and has received the HD upgrade treatment, bringing in more and more fans over the years. The game features a young man who is tasked with finding and killing 16 colossi that reside in a desolate expanse of land in the hopes of resurrecting a sacrificed girl named Mono. Since the game was so well received, it's no surprise that fans wanted more, and rumors surfaced that there might be a 17th colossus that could be found after completing any number of feats, including beating the game on every difficulty, conquering the time trials, and scaling the Shrine of Worship. Once there, following a path will trigger a cutscene and reveal the 17th Colossus. The game has been analyzed painstakingly over the years, and aside from uncovering a few leftover textures for Colossi that didn't make the final cut, no evidence has been found to suggest that a 17th Colossus exists. So why, then, would this rumor come out of nowhere, seemingly? It's not like there's really evidence within the game itself Mm -hmm. that would have created it, so... There's I watched a um uh screw attack okay. video. Uh they had done a lot of research on this. There was like a 15 minute video where they ended up wow. contacting people who've spent years doing research and everything and uh there's a lot of in-depth research, but uh they uh, determined that there's there's a couple of those textures in the game that still exist and they have names that don't really pertain to anything within the game itself. Oh really? Hmm. Um so they contacted like developers or looked at interviewers with the developers commenting on the 17th Colossus. Mm-hmm. Now originally the game was supposed to have like 24 okay colossi within it and they ended up knocking that down to uh the 16 that you see in the game yeah the two textures that are in there are belonging to or would have belonged to two of the colossi that were created as far as art style goes Mm -hmm. but never fully fleshed out and included in the game gotcha so you could say that those do belong to additional colossi Mm -hmm. but not necessarily that those exists that there is a 17th that uses either of those textures within the game right as far as examining like the art models and stuff i mean this is a game where there's not a ton of enemies it's very expansive really the only combat you do is with these 16 colossi that are in the game yep so to find an art model of another one of one more shouldn't be that difficult and all the assets have been stripped from the original code right and they've looked at everything and there's no evidence whatsoever Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, for people that wanted this to be true so badly, yeah. that a seventeenth Colossus exists at all. Sure, it's a very fascinating story, and there's a, there's a lot, it's a lot of effort and things that people put into it. Like there's a there's a grip meter in the game. Okay. I haven't played, but there's a, there's a grip meter. Like you're battling a Colossus, which is huge, uh-huh. and you have to climb up it. And part of being able to advance is being able to climb to different places. And you have a grip meter, yep. so the longer you climb the more it decreases, but you increase your grip meter over the course of the game. Now, this shrine of worship that they're referring to that you need to climb to the top of yep. is almost like a long pedestal that has a sheer face. Okay. And it is actually possible to climb up it, especially in the PS2 version before the HD remaster. Okay. Because apparently there's an infinite grip glitch where oh. if you jump like diagonally, yep. your grip meter doesn't decrease. It'll keep recharging mm-hmm. and you can make your way up, but it takes a long time. And there is a garden on top. Oh, wow. 
which you can reach. And apparently it, that also that scenario is something that you get to later in the game, but not by oh, climbing. Okay. It's something you're almost like teleported to. Yeah. So it is a real place, but you run around and you're supposed to trigger this cutscene, and just nothing happens. Wow. So, yeah, that's why people are so like. They wanted it to be real. They wanted it to be real. And I think it's just because the game is so expansive. Right. That it seems like the possibility of there being another one or some secret. Yeah. That you could uncover. Sure. It's not unlikely. Right. I mean, people love finding secret stuff. You know, they're po- the post game things, they're extra bosses. Yeah. And especially, you know, PS2 era, that was commonplace in a lot of other video games. And some people don't give up because. Uh, secrets are being uncovered all the time. Sure. Now, we haven't talked about this on the show, and it's not in our notes, but you might have seen the uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out right. thing that was recently recovered right. or the uncovered. Easter eggs, yeah. yeah. So there's uh, a thing in Mike Tyson's Punch-Out where you're fighting, I think, Bald Bull or Piston Honda. Yeah. And Actually, I think the reason why you're confused is that there's been recently one for each of them. The one most recently, I think, was for Bald Bull, and the one for Piston Honda was like within the last five oh, years. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So in uh in Mike Tyson's Punch Out for uh Nintendo, if you look at the audience, mm-hmm. there's one person in the audience that has like a beard. Yep. And if you look at that person, there's while you're fighting a uh, bald bull, if he ducks a little bit, that duck actually triggers when you're supposed to punch. Yeah. There's no way that people would notice it because <laughs> it doesn't stand out. Right. I don't know who finally figured it out, mm-hmm. but. It's the exact moment where you need to punch and defeat yeah. that opponent right. in, like, one punch. Right. It's Otherwise, crazy. you have to figure out the timing on your yeah. own. Yeah, and that game was on the Nintendo, so right. it's been years. 1987, and here we are, 2016. And just got uncovered. So it's no wonder that that is just egging on people to keep pursuing these rumors as long as possible. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So uh, I got another spooky one for you. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, this one comes from Luigi's Mansion, which is already inherently supposed to be a spooky game, where uh, the legend is that Luigi appears dead, or Luigi is dead playing throughout the whole game, and yeah. the evidence comes from something in the game. Uh, in Luigi's Mansion for the GameCube, one urban legend says that if you stand in a specific spot in a certain room and wait for lightning to strike, you can see what looks like Luigi's shadow hanging from the ceiling, as if he had committed suicide. There's some debate about what it actually is, with some saying that it's a glitch, Others believing it's just a leftover from the beta version, uh, where like the game was a bit darker. But I mean, yeah, it's a game about ghosts, haunted mansions, and stuff. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities, right? But you know, it's also using a popularly, you know, children-friendly franchise in the game. So, yeah, have you seen this in reality? I have seen it. I've yeah. seen like the videos that have outlined it, and I have played the game itself. To me, it personally just looks like it's just the way that the shadow appears, yeah, uh, rendering from the the light from the lightning flash. Mm-hmm. But certainly makes for a good story. Yeah. So the shadow should just be touching the touching the ground, floor, but it's kind of a game glitch right. based on the angle and right. It, 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 it like to me, it seems almost as if like the reason why the shadow is where it is is that the like the lightning flash where they did it, they like put the source like at the bottom of the screen, so that's why his feet don't touch the floor. Right. But I mean, it's all just a matter of angles. Yeah. Yeah. But, Interesting. Yeah. He could also like go along with a theory, which I'm sure mm-hmm. kind of in the in the realm of Majora's Mask being like thought of as mm-hmm. uh, purgatory. Right. That maybe Luigi is dead and this is just because the world sure. is so different of Haunted Mansion. Right. Than any other Mario game. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because like you're going around like for one, you have like this vacuum on your back and like one thing that's like really interesting is that like there's no jumping. And, like, oh, really? Yeah. And like Luigi, who is the Mario brother, who is known to have the better jump in yeah. a franchise where the characters are known for jumping. Like that's not a game mechanic in the game. That's so weird. Right. 
it definitely it's it it, it it's a, there's a reason there's a cult following for the right, game because absolutely. it's so out of the ordinary. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one more for you, uh, and this is one I think a lot of people have actually heard about in one form or another over time. Sure. Long rumored for the original Tomb Raider was a code that could be entered to get Lara Croft to wear nothing but her gun holsters. Horny teenagers everywhere spent ridiculous amounts of time trying to figure out what it was, but it was ultimately just a rumor. For the PC version, however, a modder released a patch that would strip down the game's heroine, which I believe was called uh, Nude Raider. And uh, and the actual publishers of the game were not too happy about it. I can't imagine so. Because when doing internet searches for Tomb Raider, it was very like, and he had like NudeRaider.com. Oh, so, sure. Yeah. So it was coming up in like searches for the game and they were not too pleased. Mm-hmm. In case you needed that badly to see flesh colored pixel pyramids, because really. Yeah. I mean, the models, were, models not, were not that great. You know, it's PS1 era 3D modeling. Yeah. So the developers did end up releasing a code for Tomb Raider 2. That they reported would strip Lara naked. Ooh. However, well, what it really did was make her explode. I love it. <laughs> Which is funny. Be like, oh, fine, sure. you want your code? Here's your code. Boom. <laughs> Take that, you perverts. Great revenge. Oh, sure. Yeah. And great for them to, again, acknowledge something that's going on in the community and sure. react to it. Certainly in a different way that, you know, that other ones have done it, but. It's certainly it's still a nod to it, which is Absolutely. hilarious. Absolutely, yeah, very funny. Oh yeah, that's pretty much it, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are many more urban legends, myths out there. If you have any that you have heard about, and you would like us to do another episode like this, this was a fun one to do. Sure. So go ahead and send those to podcast at thegeekgeneration dot com. Uh, we'll do some research, see what we can find, maybe even do some more in depth research on our own, see what we can dig up, and yeah. prove or disprove some of these things, or even just report them to the masses. Sure. Final thoughts or something you would like to plug? Uh, you can follow me at Twitter at MC Hammerbro. And that's about it. Happy gaming. Good luck playing these spooky games. <laughs> For everything else we do, you can head on over to thegeekgeneration.com. If you use iTunes, please rate the show and write a review. We always appreciate those. You can like us at facebook.com slash thegeekgeneration and follow at geekgeneration on Twitter. You can watch live podcasts and gaming at twitch.tv slash thegeekgeneration. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Night Angel. Support the show by going to thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can send emails to podcast at thegeekgeneration.com. And as always, the show theme is provided by Machine Supremacy. Link to their site can also be found on our site. We'll be back soon with more geeky stuff for you, and we will see you then later. Make it so.